Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, Mr. Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we have wrapped up 2023. We're headed into 2024. I know you are Mr. Reflective. Anything you want to start us out with on this episode? No, I, you know, I feel like I did my my mushy gushy stuff last episode a little bit. I will say, as I was taking the trip down memory lane via Scryfall and uh, Seventeen Lands for this episode, I I was just like. I went on a real journey of like, I don't know if I want, it's like, I was like, this is kind of a slog. Do I really want to go through this? And then by the end of it, I was like, oh yeah, that card. Oh, so cool. I like messaged you. I was like, this episode is so fun to prepare for. So I'm, I'm back in, I'm all in on reflecting on 2023. And I think I'm going to make a bold claim here before we get into the episode. I think 2023 is the best limited year. No, stop. not close. I will yes, feel the death on that. Oh, this is a great year. I think this was this year was a bell curve. It like started a little slow, ramped up. It peaked with Lord of the Rings it has like gone rapidly Spo- downhill with Woe and Elsie. First of all, you Spoilers. are atrocious at spoiling <laughs> your takes for any of these kinds of episodes. Second of all, I mean... So this, I forget when this happened that like I was talking about Woe not being one of my favorite sets, like during when, when the set was out. So a few months ago and, but I was like, but I still think it's good. Like I don't, and someone was like, well, where, where would you like, if it came out in other years, where would it be ranked? And as far as I could tell, it would have been number one, I think in all, but one, maybe two of the, the years of the podcast. Um, definitely would have been in wild. top two. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I think you get some recency which, bias there, my friend. As I think we should, because what I've learned is that I don't think we should flashback to limited sets. Wow. I just think we should. We should just leave them in our memories, in the Smithsonian, whatever. But like, we don't need because they'll never be what they were for us, right? Because it's people coming back to them with these preconceived notions met with people coming back to them with no notions at all. That's it. I mean, I loved visiting Cons of Dark here. I had my rose colored glasses on and it stayed rosy. Great. Yeah, I know. I know you're not the person. You are, I think one of, we often talk about how very similar we are. One of the things that we are not similar on is like, you hate change. You're like, if it was just the same as it was, I'd love it. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Hate change. Low how change. How about you? Are you, I mean, we're, this is behind the curtains, behind the scenes. We're only recording this a, a couple days after Christmas and we're not even in 2024. So welcome to the future, Ethan and Ben, to all of our listeners here as it is the new year. Do you have anything to reflect on before we get into this episode? I have, I think, maybe reignited a passion for Vintage Cube. I fired up the old Vintage Cube yesterday, and it was fantastic. Like, we were talking about it on the episode, and, like, the Cube for Charity thing was coming up. So I watched J-Bro a couple days ago, and then, like, turned on an LSV YouTube vid, and now, like, Cube for Charity is happening, and I've drafted the Cube a couple times, and it feels very different. It feels like a new thing to dive into, like, while also, like, still some old good there, but I think I'm in on Vintage Cube for the rest of Christmas break. Wow, that's great news for us. Here's here's the thing that I, I want to just warn for for the three people out there who <laughs> who I think have this instinct because it's not a lot of people, but I do see this happen when I stream 
on Magic Online, when you stream on Magic Online, there's always that one person who's like, so great to have you back on Magic Online, kid. <laughs> Doesn't that person really bother you? That no. pers- that comment always really bothers me. It does not at all. That person should keep living their best life. And and there's also the chatter that always is like, Magic Excel, I see. Yeah, I've never <laughs> heard another, that joke It's another before. oldie but a goodie. I mean, those people yeah. need to keep living their lives. Love having wow. you in my chat. Welcome. You can Look stay away from Ethan's chat. Just come on in. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure they don't need that uh, that recommendation. They figured that out for themselves. So we are going to be sending off 2023 in what is now, we can say it, a Lords of Limited tradition. This is our second year doing this. We're going to do the best worst of 2023. We've expanded, retooled, as we often do on this show, took some notes from ourselves and from our listeners last year. And we have 16, a whopping 16 categories. This may be, I don't know, we may be starting off the year with a three-hour episode. It's (laughs) enough to say. It's a lot of cards to talk about. A lot of cards to talk about. 16 categories. Most of them will have a best worst or a overperformer, underperformer, whatever. Uh, Some will just have best. And they'll start off with, you know, common removal spells, creatures, etc., moving all the way up to who knows what we might rank as our best set of 2023. Ben certainly wouldn't have spoiled his already. So we're going to get to all those categories excited. Ben and I have each as we do for these kinds of episodes. We've come to the show with separate lists. So we do not know. I think is my memory serving me correctly? Did last year we have no overlap? I think we had very little overlap. Yeah, I think we had yeah very little to no overlap last year. We'll see how that pans out again this year. But it's a really fun way to to discuss, summarize the year of limited, and, and see what we got coming for us in twenty twenty four. So before we get into all that good stuff. Let's take care of some housekeeping things. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show will always be free, but you know, start 2024 off right. You got your resolution. I want to get better at magic. I saw that that scrub, that pleb Ethan, he made it to the PT. I, I can do it too. And I think the place to do it is to start off with giving back to the Lords of Limited Patreon to get access to the Lords of Limited Discord. Look, we had a year full of limited arena opens. We had lots of limited arena championship qualifiers, some high stakes events peppered throughout there as well. Of course, there are tons on Magic Online. Great place to get feedback in real time from like-minded limited individuals is the Lords of Limited Discord. We've got a number of other great perks as we move up the reward tier rankings. And you know, I'm just sort of brainstorming this now, but I think we've got some some retooling to be done for the uh, the Lords of Limited Patreon reward tiers. You know, we sort of scaled things back as I went on paternity leave, as I'm taking care of Jonah. You know, towards the end of next year, Jonah will be going off to daycare a few days a week. So might have some more time to get some great perks out to our patrons. So be on the lookout for that good stuff. Don't have anyone to shout out this time around because we're recording just a couple days after our other episode, <laughs> but it's a great opportunity to shout out everybody in the Patreon. And thank you so much for giving back and for starting our 2024 off. Great. Yeah. And just everyone that listens to the show or watches us on YouTube or comes and says hello in the streams. It all means the world to us, and we cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock and you better do all of your 2024 shopping at coolstuffinc.com eyes on you and your eyes better be on that coolstuffinc.com website making all those mtg purchases we've got murders at Karloff manor coming out soon into the new year maybe you need to get those pre-orders locked in as soon as they go live on coolstuffinc.com maybe you're competing in some constructed events and you need to pick up some singles Maybe you didn't get that magic gift you wanted for Christmas and you're going to treat yourself. It's not too late. Head on over to CoolStuffInc.com and make sure that when you check out there, you use code LOL, all caps. Tell them that we sent you over there. And more importantly, 
get 5% off your order. Also, want to shout out, you know, we announced last week we're going to be at uh, Pro Tour Chicago supporting you doing our live recording, all that. I booked my my T Public merch. I've got my Magicians Against Data sweatshirt ordered. I've got my T on order. I've got an updated Lords of Limited hoodie so that this ragged old one can maybe be laid to rest. And you too should be repping some Lords of Limited swag at PT Chicago when we see you there. Right after we finished recording the other day, I saw in our inbox a like a notification from T Public of like you've got a new order or whatever. And I was like, oh wow, how fun! We were just like shouting out, getting new merch, and now I just find out that it's you. It's totally me. Yeah, that was totally you. me. Awesome. Order Great. has been love to booked. see it. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. All right. Well, we have plenty, as I said, 16 categories to get through, lots of cards to discuss. I think we need not waste any more time. Let's get to the first category here. Only a best, no worst for common removal spell. I went all the way back to the start of the year, Ben. Went back to a variation on a theme, perhaps a little bit of a shock variant, but with some extra goodies for for toxic creatures. I have Hex Gold Slash. This is a single red. For an instant, from Phyrexia, all will be one. Deals two damage to target creature. If that creature has toxic, it deals four damage to that creature instead. I'm getting some nods from you. Is that your pick as well? It is not. It's on my list. I I loved all of the cards I listed too much. So my <laughs> process for this episode was to list all of the cards I thought were contenders and then ultimately select. Wow. So that, that, made, that made the list, but it is not uh, the one that I picked. I chose Candy Grapple. I loved that card in Wilds of Eldraine. Wow. I thought, I thought it was incredible and i rarely ever passed it's the one in a black instant speed target creature gets minus three minus three and if you bargained it had that magic bargain text creature got minus five minus five instead it's very close between that and torch the tower but one of those bargain spells was going to get the nod it's unfortunate for me to hear about candy apple because it just reminds me of that you know 17 lands started their personal data release for patrons during the format and that's when i realized i had like a 51 percent win rate with candy grapple so i had to <laughs> oh, no. i had to have a bit of a divorce with that card. Um, X Gold Slash really taught me about tempo, right? It was really hard to, you know, there were a couple five mana, four, four toxic creatures in the format. Um, Nimrazer Paladin was one. It was like a gravedigger of sorts if you were corrupted. Just really taught you that, or, or didn't teach you maybe that you couldn't include those cards, but that there was a great risk in including those cards. And in perhaps 2023 being the year of our, our Lord, in the year of our Lord of One Drops. That uh, Hex Gold Slash, I think, helped you steal back the play in a in a format where going first really mattered. Yeah, I think Hex Gold Slash might have been the most format defining of the common removal mm-hmm. spells, but it was not my favorite to cast. I also want to shout out uh, another bargain card that is near and dear to my heart, Kellen's Light Blades. One on a white Ooh. deals three damage to an attacking or blocking creature and bargain to destroy that creature instead. Love that card in Wilds of Eldraine. It was one of, one of my important cards in my my pet decks, the blue-white control deck. Yeah, fan favorite in uh, any white-based control deck in that format for sure. Okay, common creature. What do you got here for best? Or, I, have, or, or I, don't know, I don't know how you want to do it. You got some honorable mentions? Oh, I have several honorable mentions. We'll, we'll shout the honorable mentions out after. I think, I think oh, the okay. headliners deserve, deserve the top spot. I have a feeling we're going to be the same here. My okay. my best common creature is Preening Champion. Two and a blue for the 2-2. Two, two. Brings a 1-1 one, one along with it. That's not yours? Wow. It's not mine. Yeah. Yeah. Preening Champion was incredible in March of the Machine. I think a format-defining card there, as well as one of the ways to combat all of the busted rares. It was power at common in a format that was 
quite powerful. That's true. Yeah, yeah. In a format where people were like, oh, is this, does this uh, archetype exist not a common? It's like, doesn't matter. There's seven non-commons in the pack, so you'll be fine. A nice preview for what play boosters might have in store for us. No, I chose another. I mean, I think you kind of have to pick for best common creature body that brings along a 1-1, however you want that. If you want that to be Dunland Cremain as the, the reversey of it's a 2-2 army with a 1-1 flyer. If you want it to be Old Tech Cloud Guard. I went with an oldie. I went all the way back again to one for Chimney Rabble. Three in red for a 3-3 three, three with haste. Brings along a 1-1. One, one. Again, I think a card that shout out to 17 lands into the data. Like I don't think I ever would have come to understanding this card as... like It probably would have been, as I was talking about, Feet of Resistance in Cons of Tarkir 10 years ago. Just sort of like... My brain understood that the card was good, but my heart didn't or whatever. <laughs> That's sort of how I f- would have felt about Chimney Rabble with, without, you know, looking at the game, the Stark game and hand win rate data for Chimney Rabble on 17 lands. But just taught me a lot about like two bodies, about cards that play both offense and defense. I think that Chimney Rabble is a, a card that I will remember for the better, not because of, you know, it being fun to play with or play against, but just as what I think it taught me about how games of limited play out. Yeah, for sure. I, I that made my list of biggest movers up for me. Didn't didn't win oh, the top nice. spot, but made my list of biggest movers up. I played in the SCGK uh, Star City Games seal, like the 10K sealed or whatever for this in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. And I day twoed, and in the draft, the second draft, I was blue red and left like three copies of Chimney Rabble in my sideboard, you know, like because I was like blue red oil and it wasn't oil synergy, and yeah. I didn't really know how the format worked yet like not my finest moment (laughs) yeah it's rough to look back on but that did make my list also want to shout out uh another card from one mandible justiciar the one on a white the two one lifelinker i'm gonna bring another artifact dtb to got plus one plus one loved that card in that format card was just good like you're like oh is this only good in an artifact deck like no it's just good also uh on the list contagious vorak the 2g3 3 that lets you get a land yeah it's tough those 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 green Three mana three threes reminds me of Jewel Thief, where it's like, yeah, the card's good. I just like I don't actually remember when I think about the format. I don't really think of Contagious Vorak. Right. That's why I that's why I put Preening Champion down ultimately as my answer because when I think March of the Machine, like Preening yeah. Champion is one of the first things that comes to mind. For worst, I have in in the year of twenty twenty three in rectangles one of the most offensive rectangle makers out there. Brandywine Farmer. Me too. That's mine. That's That's so funny. (laughs) Two in in the green for a 1-1. This is from uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, When it enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield, you make a food token. Like, I should love this. I should have figured out a way to make this good. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't figure out a way to make this good. This card was atrocious. It was so bad. That was what I ended up choosing. I also put Pestilence Siphoner on the list. One in a black for the 1-1 flyer. Toxic 1. Like that card baited me and so many other people, and it just wasn't good in Phyrexal we won in the context of the format. That's got to be like, you know, it's so much easier to come up, I think, with bad takes or like bad predictions than it is to come. Like, I don't remember. Basically, it was really hard for me to come up with uh, a good hot take during preview season because <laughs> I just don't like that's just not things that it's hard to find records of that, first of all, I think, but also hard to find. Uh, I don't know. I just remember my bad takes way more. And similarly here, I just remember how bad Brandywine Farmer was. Yeah, it was really atrocious. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of what we're already doing right. Yeah, I've got some plans to finally get the house all situated. You know, I moved in in a hurry in the summer during marching man season. And now hopefully with the new year, I'm gonna have a little time to get things decorated and actually get it feeling like home instead of just a place where I live. Yeah, that's awesome. I gotta plan a trip out there. For me, I'm really proud of the launch of the YouTube channel and looking forward to moving forward with that and maybe even some shorts or gasp a TikTok channel. This year, think the opposite of new year, new you, and focus on the things that you're crushing or the things you want to build upon from the previous year. Therapy can help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make the changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Lords. And now, back to the show. All right, moving on to common build around. We've only got bests here. It was very close between two contenders for me. Okay. The, the winner got to be Eye of Malkator from Frexia All Be One. Two and a blue for yeah. the, what was essentially a 4 4 Scry 2. Just incredible. Yeah. And ETBs you Scry 2, and whenever another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, Eye of Malkator becomes a 4 4 artifact creature until end of turn. Yeah. I last minute, like minutes before recording this, I was like, oh, I don't have this. I forgot to do this category. And then when I actually just thought about it for a second, I was like, oh, there's only one winner. I'm, I'm curious to hear. Who the runner-up is for you? Well, so you also have I have Malkator, I take it? I do, this, yes. This category was created to honor I have Malkator. <laughs> I was looking no, through it, it. I was like, I wait, we have good. to talk about this card. Yeah, yeah. Close second for me, my my boy, Lorian Revealed. Three blue blue, draw three, island cycling one. Card is incredible. It's not eligible. It's not a build around. Sure it is. It lets no, you it build isn't. a control deck. Get out of here. That's not, no. Rejected. Sorry. Wow, it's my list. You can't impin- You can't infringe on my list. That's fair. That's true. J- the judge rules. <laughs> S- sustained. All right. New category here. Land. Now we didn't even talk about if this was restricted by rarity in any way. No, I don't think so. Just best land, worst okay. land. So I- I'm actually. So I'm going to go honorable mention first before I get to best. I know that's not that you think the best should deserve, but I like your to list. lead up your list. Build suspense. My honorable mention. Great Hall of the Citadel. Whoa! For colorless. What an upset. I know. Wait. Upset for honorable mention. I mean, I thought that would be the top slot for sure for you. Oh yeah, this is. I went with like I gave most fun my honorable mention and most powerful the actual best. Great Hall of the Citadel was from LTR. Tap for a colorless and you pay one tap. Add two mana in any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast legendary spells. I will very fondly remember. The couple days of you visiting me here in Pittsburgh and us, you know, kind of figuring this deck out together, having some pretty insane runs and then chasing that dragon ever since. But this did add an interesting layer to and uncovered, I think, the kind of green white legends deck that was pretty darn good in LTR. I have a question for you. Just impromptu. Let me ask you this. Do you like if Lord of the Rings flashed back right now, you would want to play it? Right? Yeah. So what? where is your stance of like outlawing it all ju- flashbacks coming from? It's just because it never. I will never be like, this is just as good as I remember it. <laughs> it won't be. And so I would just rather like it stay like we, there's enough ways to make new permutations like whatever, chaos or cube that will let me 
enjoy cards of the past in a new way, but I don't make me go back and play old sets. That's how I feel, I think. Okay. All right. Do you have any honorable mentions? I do, but I have a feeling my honorable mention is your winner. So Great Hall was my number one. Wow. My, my honorable mention was Edgewall in ETBs tapped, ETBs choose a color, taps add a mana of the chosen color, and you can do three taps, sack it, return target creature that has an adventure card from your graveyard to your hand. I picked this card so highly. Yeah, this card was incredible. That is my best land of 2023. Hard hard to imagine anything better, really, for limited. Like, it, it fixes, it draws you a card in the late game. What, what's not to like? I don't think other people liked it quite as much as we did, though. Well, more for us, then. <laughs> I guess so. My worst land of 2023 is uh, perhaps some recency bias, but I have Promising Vein from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. This Ooh. Is, uh, Cave taps for colorless, and you pay one tap, sack it, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle. I didn't quite realize that, other than this being a cave, that it was a, a functional reprint of um, Shire Terrace from Lord of the Rings. But I find this more offensive because it makes you feel like you should play this in your caves matter decks, which like you probably do because like it's a cave in the graveyard and it does fix, but. It's so, so slow in a format where you just can't afford that. Yeah. I, my worst lane was actually Shire Terrace, which was tap for yeah. colorless, one tap, sack it, search for basic land. I hadn't put together that Promising Vein was a like functional reprint of that that was just a cave, but that it does explain my hatred of Promising Vein because I loathe Shire Terrace. We yeah. hope to never run it at all costs. Somehow the fact that Promising Vein was a cave made me think like, ah, oh, I'm supposed to run this. And I was kind of okay with it, despite thinking... It wasn't great. So next category is the golden egg. And we'll only have one, but it's just a way to review the golden eggs of the year. We have Dune Mover from Phyrexia All Will Be One. That was the 2-1 the with Toxic 1. And when it comes into play, you can search your library for a land and put it on top of your library. In Mom, we, we didn't come to a consensus here, Ben. We did not. What the golden egg was. I wanted it to be Beamtown Beatstick, the treasure making equipment. You had a pitch for Nizumi Informant, the one on a black 1 1 ETBs. They discard a card. In LTR, we had Peller Gear Survivor, one on a blue for a 1 3 taps out of mana of any color, spent only for instance and sorceries. And you can pay five and a blue tap it to have target player mill three cards. And from Woe, we had an oldie but a goodie, Prophetic Prism. Enters the battlefield, draw a card, one tap, add one mana of any color. And do you have an inclination of what would be eligible from LCI, even though we haven't done the 50 takes yet? I have blocked LCI out of my memory completely. It's gone. It's dead to me. Awesome. Great to hear. Good for our listeners as well. They're happy to hear it too. What, what did you end up uh, choosing here, sir? I I had to give the nod to Pelagir Survivor. This card was so cool, so unique. I loved the format it was in. It just did everything you wanted to do in Lord of the Rings. It was like a body that blocked well, it wore the ring well, it fixed your mana for spells. When the game stalled out, it was occasionally a win condition. Like that came up for me once or twice. Card just does it all. Yeah, I think Pelliger Survivor is is probably the correct winner of this, but I, I had to shout out Beamtown Beatstick. Just a, f- a favorite card of mine from a favorite archetype of mine, spoiler, from March of the Machine that we'll, we'll talk about a little later. All right. Number six, new category here, variation on a theme. So 
sort of like reprint with a twist. So you think of like Virus Beetle was the one in a black ETB, they discard a card, but it was an artifact. Or Bitter Reunion was the enchantment version of Tormenting Voice that then you could pay one sack it to grant something haste. So sort of, you can kind of get in the sandbox here a little bit. You know, we'll we'll accept any kind of thinking outside the box answers. What were your thoughts on best variation on a theme this year, Ben? I went through a lot of cards. There were a lot of good variations on a theme this year, I think. That mm-hmm. was, I think, a theme that ran through the year. This is perhaps my winner, perhaps the only uh, LCI card to make my list. This is Tithing Blade. One in a black oh. for an artifact. When Tithing Blade enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Variation on an edict effect. And then it has craft with creature. Four in a black. Transform to consuming sepulcher. Beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. This card got the juices flowing when I saw it. I think, it's a unfo- very, unfortunately, it's a it did variation not. on yeah. a theme, right? Double variation on a theme, yeah. So I guess extra points there. It's like, uh, what's that uh, game? Categories. Sc- it's categories, two points. yeah. yeah. <laughs> got the double letter. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I love this card when I saw it. It unfortunately didn't pan out to quite be as good as I had hoped in the context of the format. But I do think maybe in a different format, Tithing Blade could have been what I saw for it. And I still did enjoy uh, experimenting with it early on. Yeah, I also have a card from LCI in this category. I chose Dusk Rose Reliquary. This is a single white for an artifact. As an additional cost to cast it, sack an artifact or creature. It has Ward 2. When it enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls until Dusk Rose Reliquary leaves the battlefield. I think this card is pretty awesome. Like it's it's a it's a variation on a theme is bone splinters slash like banishing light, oblivion ring, whatever. Those sort of white, you know, exile a thing until this leaves. But pretty cool that it was color shifted too from black to white as a bone splinters variant. Pretty cool that I think it looked clunky, ended up playing out great because of how good cheap removal was in the format. Yeah, I enjoyed this card. Yeah, there were several others to shout out as well. Your your boy Beamtown Beatstick made my list as kind of a uh, pickaxe variant. Blighted Burgeoning, Tuna Green, Enchant Land, Enchant Land taps for two of any color, and then it also brings along an Incubate token. I thought that was a cool one. Maybe the best an act of treason has ever been in Twisted Fealty. Tuna red for the sorcery, gain control of a creature, untap it against haste, plus put a wicked roll token attached to one target creature. Like just yeah. the fact that that was straight up main deckable in Wilds of Eldraine. So was Ariat's Tempting Apple. Yeah. I mean, yeah. both cool cards. Birthday Escape as well. Just like variation on a cantrip, like a very clean mm-hmm. draw a card ring tempts you. There were a ton of good variations on a theme. My honorable mention for this category was Cogwork Wrestler as uh, the sort of like flash minus two minus O thing. This was from LCI as well. Single blue one, two. Um, but this being an artifact and also a good one drop nullified two mana, two ones in a big way as well. I like that card too. What's next? Uncommon removal spells. Only one here for me. No, no honorable mentions. No, nothing. Best removal spell. F, 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 baby. Fear, fire, foes. Okay. So this was the red X spell from Lord of the Rings. Deals X damage to one target creature and does one damage to each other creature that player controls. This card was incredible. Yeah, I actually don't have that on my list. Not because like, I think you can go a number of routes with these categories. And I uh, like Fear Fire Foes didn't evoke anything for me when I was looking back. Fear? (laughs) It evoked Fear? Fire? Yeah. But I did have an honorable mention from LTR, which was Gandalf Sanction. One blue red sorcery. DLX damage to target creature where X is the number of instant sorcery cards in your graveyard. Excess damage dealt to that creature's controller instead. Not many uncommon removal spells that are also a dex win condition. Yeah. You know? Player removal. 
Yeah, player removal as well. I chose a best that is not really the best, but I think is my favorite as my fondest memories of the year, which is The Princess Takes Flight. Ooh, two and that's a, a good one. For a saga. Chapter one, exile up to one target creature. Chapter two, target creature you control gets plus two, plus two and gains flying until end of turn. And then there isn't a chapter three because you've gotten rid of this saga somehow. Either you've picked it up with stockpiling (laughs) celebrant or sacrificed it to bargain along the way. But yeah, big fan of Princess Takes Flight. And I went in the same set. uh, I, I went with my worst as well. Same color, same set. Stroke of Midnight. Two and a white, instant, destroy target, non-land, permanent. Its controller creates a 1-1 white human creature token. There's a lot of things going on here. One is, I know that you think this card is playable. And so I, <laughs> I do. Just, I, I want like to just hammer home that it is not playable. Just wanna, just wanna poke you with that a little bit. I just really like, you know, these these uh Kasmina's transmutations in sheep's clothing, whatever they are, however we want to repackage the kill a thing, they get a one-one. The 1-1 is always better than you think, and in a format with bargain and rolls, it was way better. I just don't think you could afford to give your opponent a 1-1. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I went with worst, as in this card is the worst. Why does it do this thing for my for my worst uncommon spell? Of course you spell. did. <laughs> uh, I give his award to Shieldred's Edict. One in a black for the instant from Phyrexia all will be one. You choose one, each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature. Or each opponent sacrifices a creature token, or each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker. Why does it need that third line of text? My planeswalkers in Phyrexia all be one. Like my opponents always had this card. Anytime I managed to draft a planeswalker, <laughs> having me in sealed, I was running a cost. Like my opponents all had Shieldred's Edicts. Why does it need that last line of text? Why does this need to make me sacrifice a planeswalker? I have a cool card. I want to play with my cool card. Thank you very much, Wizards of the Coast. And I'm guessing that every time you had this card, your opponent never had a planeswalker. Yeah, exactly. So you, so you were also unlucky in that respect. Exactly. You get it. It's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst. Uncommon creature. This was the only category, I think, where as I was going along, I was like, well, could be that, could be that. And then when I got to this card, I was like, Oh, it's obviously this. Yeah, we have the, the same card, one here. <laughs> the card that I I literally think, I was just talking, a, a friend of mine was in town last week, and we were talking about what he thought the best card to pick was in this format. I was like, oh, I think it's Virtue. Like the Black Virtue is like by 17 lands. I was like, no, the best card to back one pick one in Wilds of Eldraine, no Kappa, is Imidane's Recruiter. <laughs> yeah, I got mine out as well, begrudgingly. I owe it several apologies. Imidane's Recruiter is great. It's two and a red for the 2-2. Two, two, and when it ETBs, creatures you control get plus one plus O and gain haste. And it's also got the adventure for four and a white to make two two twos with vigilance. It's just army in a can. This card does it all. Yeah. Really, really does. Worst, again, I also have, I think I think Wilds of Eldraine perhaps might be my most represented set here. Worst uncommon creature, Knight of Doves. Two and a white for a 1-3. Human Knight, whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white bird creature token with flying. Really thought this enchantments to the graveyard thing might happen. I have to imagine we'll be chatting about a little black cat later on down the list, Ben perhaps mm. oh maybe mm-hmm. not oh okay uh looks we like we will <laughs> and uh yeah this this was the uncommon version of that and just did not get there yeah i have a, a couple good ones for worst uncommon creature i think the one that i ended up giving the award to was legolas counter of kills uh, two two blue green for the two three with reach and whenever you scry if it's tapped you can untap it do this only once each turn Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Legolas. You're shocked? No, no. So behind again, behind the scenes, this was the one category I wanted to eliminate because I felt like my answer to this was 
kind of like how are you describing it in our chat you said it was like sort of like by the books or whatever i just felt like it was checking a box like i didn't feel passionate about my answer at all that was the card i had (laughs) picked for this category when i was like i don't really like this is just like a this is just a bad uncommon creature i don't feel any emotions about it but i think it was like a discussion card for the community like why did this fall through the cracks like this was just like i guess a nod to the movies but so many of the other cards were so cool in Lord of the Rings, and Legolas and Gimli just got shafted so hard. It was just very yeah. odd. But I think the one that it was close with, this is actually maybe even a better talking point, is Phyrexian Sensor. Two and a white for the 3-3. Three, three. Each player can't cast more than one non-Phyrexian spell each turn, and non-Phyrexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. Like this hosing battles and that whole interaction and like not remembering it or playing it pre-combat and then like going to flip your battle and then your battle didn't flip. Yeah, this card just led to so many feel-bads. I think just a very poorly designed card in a set with battles and probably should not have existed or should have existed differently. Yeah, I agree. But whatever, make put it in the, the make it a box topper. I don't know. Just don't put it in limited. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very odd. I have some more creatures to shout out, though. I've got I've got a list. So yes, sir. Uh, others that were in consideration for best for me, Aomer the Rittermark. I, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was the of- one where I got to that one and I was like, oh, this has to be it. And then alphabetically, then once I got to I was like, oh, never mind. That was also the journey that I went on. But Aomer uh, from Lord of the Rings, the 5-4 haste. (laughs) And whenever it attacks, you control the creature with the greatest power, which was always Aomer. Remember remember when we were like, yeah, it's like Chimney Rabble, but one mana more. I do remember. Why did we think that was bad? I don't know. It took me a while, too. Like, longer than I would have liked. Like, losing to it several times. And I was like, ah, my opponents had Aomer at the right time. That was so lucky of them. (laughs) And then, like, I was like, oh, no, this card's just actually great. The right right time being any turn. (laughs) Any time, yeah. Uh, Also want to shout out Norn's Inquisitor from March of the Machine. One and a white for the one one. Uh, When ETB'd, you made an incubator token two and then you could flip it up into a three three and it gave all your incubators plus one plus one the card was incredible and also want to shout out bilbo retired burglar from lord of the rings the one blue red for the one three um and whenever it hit your opponent you made a treasure just an incredible ring bear it could tempt itself when it came in tempted something when it left like it was double temps on one card just incredible there were a lot of good uncommon creatures this year yeah i'm glad you shouted out bilbo i didn't have a spot to shout out bilbo or frodo from that set. And those Ooh. are two cards I have a lot of fond memories of. Okay. I also have two more. Two favorites. Yeah. There's some great uncommon You don't creatures. have to be sheepish about this. Well, I feel like this is like kind of, uh, we're supposed to be picking a best and a worst. And I'm I, it's hard for me to choose among my children, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're going to appreciate one of my favorites. I, I thought we needed a place to shout out Tiller of Flesh. Three and a white from March the Machine for the two four. Whenever Siege you cast a home. <laughs> yeah. When you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, you incubate two. You showed me the light on that card. And once you did, I loved playing with it. Black white control. Black Chromo Sea Shark. 50% win rate, 17 lands, baby. Taste it. <laughs> and another one, Samwise the Stouthearted, one and a white from Lord of the Rings for the 2-1 with Flash. When ETBs choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn, return it to your hand and the ring tempts you. My boy, making a run in Vintage Cube. Yeah. J- juggling Samwises, anyone? Just yeah. turbo ring tempting? The card was great. Yeah. Very, very fun. All right. Next up, we've got Uncommon Build Around. So many cards on this list, too. <laughs> so many cards on this list. Uh, my honorable mention for best is Calamitous Cave-In, three and a red for sorcery. Deals X damage to each creature in each planeswalker, where X is the number of caves you control plus the number of cave cards in your graveyard. My last draft of LCI was in paper. 
it was uh, at a brewery to a like local Pittsburgh crew go. We hop around to different breweries and, and draft during the week. I got a deck with 11 caves, double calamitous cave in double uh, cave mole drifter. It was, I played spelunking, like never had so many people be like, well, never seen that card cast before. <laughs> never seen that card flipped before. And uh, Calamitous Cave-In was excellent. Went on a real journey of like, Caves isn't a deck to Caves is like the only thing I want to do in the format, basically. Yeah, card checks out. Uh, that was, your, you said, an honorable mention. It's my honorable mention. My best... Sweet candy, baby. Night of the Sweet's Revenge from Wilds of Eldraine. Three inner green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you make a food. Food you control, have tap, add a green, and you can pay five green, green, sack the enchantment to have creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of foods you control. Activate only as a sorcery. Yeah, card is great. That made my my list, but it, it is not my number one. Uh, my number one has to go to the bass song. There's just has there's to be yeah. no no consideration for anything else. Three and a blue for the saga. Chapter one, draw two, discard. Chapter two, draw two, discard. Chapter three, you can shuffle in any number of cards from your graveyard, and then you sacrifice the bass song. Add blue, blue, and it was always just a pleasant little surprise getting that blue, blue at the end. <laughs> I just forgot it was coming. Yeah, I thought you might have forgotten it just now, and in, in <laughs> trying to tell the card from memory because you would always just be like, all right, cool, shuffle in these cards. I'm not going to deck. Ooh. Where'd this blue mana come from? Oh, blue, blue. Oh, this card's so busted. Like, that was yeah. always the reaction. Every yeah, time I sure. get two mana, oh my God, this card's more incredible than I remembered. Okay, well, what are your honorable mentions? My then? honorable mentions, so many. So Night of the Sweets Revenge made the, made the cut. Uh, Collector's Vault from Wilds of Eldraine. The, the two mana artifact, Collector's Vault was a lifestyle in that blue-white control deck. It let you loot and then gave you a treasure token left over. Princess Takes Flight from earlier for you. I made my list as a, a build around. Really loved Fiery Inscription from Lord of the Rings. The two in a red enchantment. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it dealt two damage to the opponent. And whenever ETB'd the ring tempts you. And then Gandalf Sanction on the list as yeah. well from Lord yeah. of the Rings. Nice. Uh, I couldn't quite. I don't even have an honorable mention. I just like put a worst and then was like, or maybe it's this. Um, again, alphabetically, you can see them. I think I'm going to land on. I, I could dunk on Sheree and Blue White Tap from Wilds of Eldraine. But I'm not going to. I'm going to shout out perhaps a lesser obvious offensive uncommon build round, which is Urabrask's Anointer. This is three in a red for a 4-2. This is from Phyrexia Albi-1. When it ETBs, deals X damage to any target where X is the number of permits you control with oil counters on them. Seems great, right? It seems like uh, the whatever. It's like a Chupacabra Echo. It's the, the four mana, comes into play, kills a thing, payoff for a mechanic. The problem is, is that these cards, you know, especially the ones that are like among the things you control, you know, there was oil gorger troll that just needed you to have oil somewhere. And then you got to draw a card in addition to gaining three life when it came into play. But for this card, it really, there's tension with you then don't want to trade off anything in play in a format where like, you're gonna need to trade off your cards. That's what the whole, like, get on board, trade off your stuff. That's what that format was really about. And a card that incentivized you to not do that was really dangerous. Yeah. Worst uncommon build around for me, I think just because it felt like a bait and switch or a bat and switch, maybe, was Bat Colony. Two yeah. and a white from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Like, this card looked so sweet until you had it in your caves deck and you were like, oh, like I, I have to have a white cave and an untapped cave to be able to cast this on turn three for three bats. Like it was much harder to get three bats on curve than it you would have initially thought. And then past turn three was not great. And then the plus one plus one counter for future cave just wasn't quite enough 
yeah. to incentivize you to want to build around it. You really needed Bat Colony plus caves plus ways to pick up Bat Colony, like the 3-1 the dog, that the mischievous pup that could return Bat Colony in your hand. Then it was worth it, but it just felt like a, a bad bait and switch on the build arounds there. I agree. All right, we've lumped rares and mythics into one category here. Um, I'm curious to, to see, I, I guess I'm not that curious because I would guess... Knowing you, I would guess that you have chosen best to mean like busted and worst to also mean busted. Yes, I have. But worst is hatred for me for the rares and mythics category. So for best, I've just I'm, I'm going to be positive here. Just think fondly about a card that I'm going to remember from 2023 quite a bit. Throne of the Grim Captain. I love this card. I love building around it. It found me quite a lot. This is a two mana for an artifact. Taps to mill two cards and then it crafts with a dino, merfolk, pirate and vampire plus four mana and flips into the grim captain menace trample lifelink hexproof seven seven when it attacks each opponent sacks an online permanent then you can put an exiled creature card used to craft the grim captain onto the battlefield under your control tapped and attacking card of sweet card of sweet i never flipped it i tried a couple times and never quite got there had a couple decks that could do it but never never did the thing mm-hmm. my best i've got a holy trinity here in honor of you gruff triplets fawn's bane troll the goose mother <laughs> That's the, those, those rares that's those the tour. live in my brain rent free for the rest of my life i i yeah. love those cards i am very happy that they were awesome for you and and got you on the pt yeah three green cards in a pool with like truly no green cards no green cards no green you cards could, like, couldn't make it up yeah i love that my worst in this uh category is Sunfall. And honestly, like there were a lot of sweepers that I wanted to pick here, but sweepers in a set with battles, which is like you're showcasing this brand new card type that encourages you to get on board and attack things. Putting sweepers in those sets is just mega feel bad. So this is three white, white for a sorcery, exile all creatures, then incubate X, where X is the number of creatures exiled this way. So not only is it a mega feel bad sweeper because you're punishing people for doing what the format tells them to do. But then the person who casts a sweeper gets to affect the board first with a giant incubate token. There were a lot of cards like this. So that made my yeah. list as well as White Sun's Twilight was in, yep. in the same vein. I gave the nod to worst rare and mythic, though, Unstable Glyph Bridge. I hate that card. <laughs> the fiery passion <laughs> that's from uh, Lost. So I guess two Lost Caverns of Ixalan cards. Actually, I've got some shout outs for hot takes from Lost Caverns of Ixalan cards as well. <laughs> but, uh, Unstable Glyph Bridge was three white white to destroy everything except um, a creature power two or less, I think, from you and the opponent. You got to choose the opponent's creature that they were left with. And then you could craft it into a 5-3 flyer that says your opponent doesn't get to play magic. Like they have to choose whether to attack you or play spells. Just not remotely close to a fair Magic the Gathering card. All right, well, let's get to those hot takes during preview season. Like I said, these were hard for me to come up with. I think my best hot take from preview season was nailing how good Hopeless Nightmare was going to be. And actually, if you sort data by game and hand win rate among top users on 17 lands hopeless nightmare is ahead of candy grapple which i called like week two or something so not preview season hot take but yeah uh hopeless nightmare was the single black enchantment etb opponent discards a card they lose two life uh when it leaves the battlefield you scry two and you can pay two and a black to sacrifice it card was awesome and also awesome that like we talked about sometimes it wouldn't actually be right for you to include it in your deck 
that's right. pretty that's cool what too. I was thinking. Like, I didn't play many Hopeless Nightmares in Wilds of Eldraine. Like, Wilds of Eldraine was a, a really good draft format. It was. Uh, it was a very good draft format. We were, and we were I, a little hard on it, I think. Well, at yeah, the time. it's just because it came after Lord of the Rings, which was such a banger. But like, I didn't play many Hopeless Nightmares because I didn't draft the format in such a way as to make hopeless nightmare a good card for me but like certainly understood how powerful it was and that you could go down that route yeah my best hot take during preview section i don't know what just happened in my mouth there my best hot take during preview season gandalf sanction is zenith flare baby Gandalf sanction is zenith good flare. take it was a great take that's kind of yeah. how it played out uh that was a deck not as oppressive but not, yeah not as oppressive but felt but- Similarly, uh, a couple other honorable mentions from uh, LCI that stood out in my memory. Twists and Turns, Free Real Estate. Yeah, like the, the, eh. the one mana was worth it when we argued about that card, as well as I do think this one definitely good. Explorer's Cash, Anthem for your team. Just an Anthem for your team. So what I'm learning is I just have to make way more wild yeah claims. you just need to make way more wild claims yeah you gotta get and you gotta log them on twitter i just went back through my twitter account <laughs> and, and looked through my twitter it's easy to find the good hot takes and the bad takes you just got to get them on record my worst take during preview season i'm gonna i'm gonna go away from wilds of eldraine i i have here as an honorable mention misunderstanding bargain that like thought bargain was downside but ended up being like bargain was actually upside on cards hard to know that but I think my actual worst take was grading all of the land cyclers from LTR the same, basically. Ooh, and, as March of the Machine. And, and well, and by grading them the same as each other. Oh, right. And they were all mid. Like, I think maybe we gave Lorian Revealed a C plus, but the rest were Cs. And it's just, just not true. Like, they're not all equal. There's like a pretty, like, it's Lorian Revealed, then uh, like clear at the top, then black and green, then big gap, red and white. Yeah. Hard to know that without having played the format, though, first. Yeah, I think so. My winner for the worst hot take bring preview season was Warehouse Tabby as the best black common in Wilds of Eldraine. That's the there's, single black one. The black one. Cat. Yeah, yeah, there's the black cat. I was I was picturing all the rats on the card. That was why you saw the puzzlement on my face when you mentioned the cat, but I forgot the card was actually a cat. Uh, whenever an enchantment goes to the graveyard, you make a 1-1 one, one rat that can't block, and it could get death touch. That was not remotely close to even a good black common and woe, much less the best black common. So a couple yeah. others to shout out. I have a lot of bad takes on record as well. Treasures, triggering descend when you had to go back on our episode that we recorded and like cut out like five minutes of me talking about treasure tokens going to be triggering descend on your turn. That was not a great one. That's very funny. Yep. Okay. Uh, had Volt Charge ahead of Hex Gold Slash in the top red commons in Frexia All Be One during the crash course. That just looks laughably bad now when you look back at it. Hot take Bola Slinger as the top white common in March of the Machine, the three and white two two with backup one uh, that had the hammer skull effect where you could tap down an attacker. Also looks laughably bad after playing March of the Machine. And lastly, from from Twitter, June 3rd, 2023, I tweeted about Galadrimbo from Lord of the Rings. Someone talked me off the equipment ledge because this looks busted to me. I couldn't even tell you what that card does. <laughs> it's like two and a green for a flash equipment that gives a creature plus one plus two in reach or something like that. <laughs> is it like auto equip or something it auto's equip yeah it auto equips yeah one of dgbs are you finally you're finally done with that or i think, are you I'm, I, gonna... think I'm, I think i'm done with equipment yeah i think ladrimbo being bad finally uh made me see the light about equipment let's move on to category number 12 card that surprised you the most 
this took me an embarrassingly long time, I think, to get on board. My biggest mover up was March from the Black Gate from Ooh. Lord of the Rings. One in a black enchantment. When it enters the battlefield and whenever an army you control attacks, a mass orcs one. You know, we argued about this a lot in the crash course. I just thought, hey, on, on, up front, this is just a two mana one one. Like, that's bad. But there is downside to this card for sure. But the upside is you win. It just snowballs so hard. Yeah, upside far outweighs the downside. My biggest mover up, I guess more LCI cards, gotta be Atali's favor. I was just yeah. so, so woefully wrong on this card. Tuna red, enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and trample, and then you discover three. Just yeah, it's a good one. A long time to see the light. Bunch of other cards to shout out. Chimney Rabble, uh, Afara's Dispersal, I thought needed a mention. Yep. Two and a blue for the instant, um, return something to its owner's hand. And if it was an attacking creature, you could cast it for a single blue. That card was incredible. Tempo. To tempo. All of the instant speed convoke in March of the Machine. Like just kind of realizing that I'd never played with instant speed convoke spells before and yeah. how powerful and how busted those were and moving those up as a result. Young hero roll tokens from Wilds of Eldraine. Like thought that was the worst going in and it was actually far and away i think the best style along with wicked that's a good shout and then, and then ginger brute as well uh i didn't believe the little guy could do it twice in a row and he he definitely did wow yeah yeah the card that surprised me the most in terms of mover down i have another black uncommon lord skitters butcher Ooh, two yeah, black that's a good for shout. two three when it enters the battlefield, choose one, make a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token with this creature can't block. You can sack another creature if you do try to, then draw a card. Or creatures you control gain menace until end of turn. Thought this card was nuts. Thought this was going to be the best black on common. The modality here is huge. Like, this was more often than not just the same slash sometimes not as good as Voracious Vermin. The common two and a black two one that grew and came with a rat. Like, this card just didn't really matter that much. Yeah, I hear that for sure. Uh, biggest mover down for me, maybe this is just because it's stuck in my brain, but spring-loaded saw blades from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. The one in a white mm. uh, flash, it deals five damage to target attacking creature, and then you can craft it into a limousine that is a 5-5. Five, five. I just was picking this card way too highly, and it just didn't quite fit in every white deck. You needed a very specific type of deck, and so I moved it down in my pick order and saw my win rate increase, I think, as a result of just literally adjusting on that one card as, as well as Inverted Iceberg, which was another one uh, mm. on, on the list for consideration. It was just way too high on those. Also, I mean, we're going to talk about these a little bit later, I think, but uh, moving down on battles in March of the Machine as well. Came in, came in super hot and moved down on those, I think, over the course of the format. There's such a spread. I mean, it sounds like we'll talk about it when we get to mechanic, maybe. But like, it's a such a hard card type to design from like, it doesn't matter to totally it makes broken. your life total four or five. Yeah. It's really hard to find that sweet spot of like a card that's impactful, but not too impactful. You know? Right. Next up, we have reprint. This is a... I'll, I'll put my honorable mention as Ginger Brute. Okay. But it's clearly the companions for March of the Machine. That's what I've got as well as yeah. my answer. I was like thinking and I was like scrolling through individual cards and then I was like, oh, this is so easy. So yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, the just, companions made that format like however good that format was going to be, like easily bumped it up like a whole letter grade or like a half a letter grade or something. Yeah. They're, they're so fun. Companions are so fun. It's such a shame that they're so broken for constructed because they're really cool for limited. Super cool for limited, yeah. Uh, moving on to worst reprint. Conversely, the Enchanting Tales 
in Wilds of Eldraine. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a nice, <laughs> like, nice just to the yang. A wasted slot per pack for the most part, other than like hatching plans and a couple others. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you've already sort of shouted this out. Um, my worst reprint is Volt Charge. Like, just embarrassing that it went from a card, like, our memory of Volt Charge was so good, two in a red, deal three plus proliferate. No, this card is it's not even close. I don't even think this was top four red commons in the set like just not that good yeah, really not that a good. real fall from grace as a reprint the other one that i want to shout out is shielder the apocalypse being included in phyrexia all be one like why did they put why did they put those praetors like it just confused everyone like my yeah. opponent played one against me in the pre-release and i was like what is happening right now and then like they were like no these are legal and then like when you play against shielder the apocalypse you're just like super tilted because it's not even supposed to be in the format but it is like why did they do that that was awful yeah yeah you're like why am i back in dmu again all right new category here best worst mechanic i'm we gotta very be, we gotta be the same here right for best and worst no for, well maybe not for worst but i would imagine we are the same for the best this is a slam I, dunk for me I, what is it it's gotta be ring tempting in lord of the rings that's that is my best as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even think it is close to close, particularly. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else might have. I mean, I don't know if this is a universal best mechanic of the year, though. Among limited players? I think if you are a limited aficionado, it is very hard to not love Ring Tempting. It was just yeah. so well designed, so well balanced. I mean, that's one of the things that I was like finding as I was doing this. I mean, I've kind of already given away that Lord of the Rings is my set of the year, but it's because I loved playing with so many of the cards like that were yeah. in Lord of the Rings. Like if you look at my favorites, like it's it's there's cards from Lord of the Rings just deep everywhere on this list. And I, I had to make some concessions to try to get cards in from other formats. And just I, like I could have made a list of all Lord of the Rings cards for my favorite cards. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew that LTR was going to be your favorite set of the year. I didn't realize you had such a love affair with it. Yeah, it, it was my favorite by a lot. Like, yeah, I think certainly my favorite set since Dominaria United. And I, I might yeah. I might like it better than Dominaria United. It's fair wow. for me. Wow. Yeah, I have Ring Tempt as well. I think just... A great mechanic, really cool in terms of it's an aggressive mechanic that isn't always hyper aggressive. It's a snowbally mechanic that doesn't feel super snowbally. It's something that doesn't mean the format's necessarily super fast or super aggressive. It rewards you for drafting well, like understanding where you are in the draft. Like there's risk reward with it and like how many instance of instances you have of it made it better. So you're willing to dip into less desirable cards potentially that still said ring tempts you on them. Like everything about the mechanic was balanced perfectly. I thought, I mean like the blue red deck was maybe a, a little good in leagues, but it still wasn't broken in leagues. And I think mm -hmm. just if in a pod like was balanced super well I, I think like the mechanic obviously the color strength not not quite as balanced but still fun decks to play in every color yeah what's your worst my worst i i have my honorable mention is battles which we need to okay. discuss yeah my, my actual award winner is discover i flipping hate that mechanic with a fiery wow. passion like from from lost caverns of ixalan just yeah like it just is completely uninteresting it's completely random. 
And it's either on a reasonable Magic the Gathering card and totally busted, or on a garbage Magic the Gathering card and largely unplayable. Like, there's no middle ground with it. Yeah. Like, put it on a 3-2 with Geological Appraiser, great. Like, one of the best cards in the set. Put it on Falter, like, three things can't block, you're never casting that card. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. just, I just, everything about Discover rubbed me the wrong way completely in Lost Caverns of Ixalan. You want to talk about battles? I would like to talk about battles. I think, I wish battles had been in a less powerful set. And not that they were the worst mechanic. I think battles were a cool idea. I think the implementation of them in March of the Machine just largely fell flat because of the other cards that were around them. So for example, you mentioned your life total becoming four, like something like Invasion of Amonkhet literally says one blue black, your life total becomes four. Like good luck playing defense. I'm going to win when I flip this battle versus like I thought there were a lot of other well-designed battles that were were reasonable, like Invasion of Mercadia, the red one that, that lets you loot. Or even some of the fight ones in green, like there was a fight spell that flipped into a creature, but that ultimately because of the power level of March of the Machine as a format, those weren't quite good enough to go after, but those should have been good enough to go after. You know what I mean? Like it was just very weird where the power level of battles slotted in with the overall power level of the aggregate cards in March of the Machine. So I thought in that implementation, there was there was kind of the worst in that like, man, this could have been so cool. And it was still fine in March of the Machine, but I just thought they largely fell flat. Like, and I came in super high on them and kept moving them down and down, you know, talked about them as one of my movers down because they just weren't, most of them weren't powerful enough to compete with the power level in March of the Machine, except if they said your life total becomes X. And there there were, you know, five to 10 of them that were that way. Um, Invasion of the Amonkhet, I certainly think was the biggest offender in that regard. But even those that were powerful weren't fun to play against. Against. Like it was just so hard to give yourself any sort of wiggle room. You know, we talk about cards like the two and a three drain two gain two, like on a creature, like how much that swings the board in your favor to where it makes it difficult for your opponent to then think about attacking you because there's this life total disparity, right? When you play Invasion of Amonkhet and your life total becomes four, like it's so hard for you to ever take an offensive role in that game of magic, you know? Yeah. I mean, that really was, I think, the most egregious in terms of the battles, but they they largely, it's just, it's a really difficult, as I said, it's just a really difficult window. It's such a narrow window to design the card correctly to where it doesn't feel oppressive or like largely, you know, inconsequential. Right. But, but I think they did do a lot of them well in a different format. Like the the, yeah. the four and a green fight spell that gives a plus one plus one counter fights and then turns into a creature. Like that's a well-designed card and that should have been like good or play or could have been in a different format. Very good and very playable and worth going after and killing if it's more about resources than just rate and power level. But like power level was so high in March of the Machine that just your average battle that looked like a reasonable two for one was not worth working towards because there were so many other ways to get power and efficiency. Right. Uh, my worst mechanic of 2023 was roll tokens. I just found, you know, when I think back to Wilds of Eldraine, I do think a lot about, it's not often that I think back to a format and think of a mechanic falling flat, but I really do think of this mechanic as falling flat, just in that the context of the enchantment going to the graveyard thing, mattering, not mattering at all. And I think I, I never really played with this in paper, but I would imagine this is pretty darn clunky to play with in paper. Like, and, and also to, in terms of, like tracking them at least on arena you just like 
quickly glance and you're like, oh, there's the ward symbol or there's trample or whatever to like reclock it to shortcut them. I just think a pretty, pretty lackluster mechanic in my memory. All right. That takes us on to limited archetypes. So many listed here. <laughs> my God. Uh, Sorry. Why don't, why don't you go first, sir? Okay. My my number one has to be Blue White Bath Song from Lord of the Rings. It's my, my favorite and I think was very powerful when drafted appropriately and piloted appropriately. I love that deck. Love the Bath Song. That's got to be my number one. My number one uh, is also, I think, my favorite archetype. Not the best, but my favorite from the year. Red Black Sacrifice from March of the Machine. You mean, excuse me, sir. You mean Red Black Gumption. Red Black Gumption, Red Black <laughs> Rectangles, whatever you want it to be. But yeah, Red Black Gumption from March of the Machine. Definitely hold a dear place in my heart. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't call it Red Black Gumption. I also wrote Red Black Sacrifice on my list, and I was like, wait a second. This deck is not called Red Black Sacrifice. It's called Red Black Gumption. Uh, and I think that was just a cool archetype also for us as podcasters, content creators, to talk about a style of drafting or a, yeah. way, a way of drafting or a way of almost a way of life you know <laughs> almost a way of life indeed <laughs> some others to shout out loved blue white control from wilds of eldraine um not blue white tapping but blue white control just with like just turtle up you know play your uh player destroy target attacking creatures play some collector's vaults what you want to say something here uh well it's just fun like you've named the same archetype from two different sets yeah, it was better in You're Lord like, of the Rings. My favorite was uh, Blue White uh, Dirtle Town in Lord of the Rings. I also like doing it in Wilds of Eldraine. Uh, you couldn't really, do it, Lord of the Rings. couldn't really do it in LCI as good, so I don't like that set very much. <laughs> I liked it in one where it was artifacts, <laughs> so that was pretty good. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, that's exactly what I sound like. And I can't even I can't even push back against that. I also want to shout out to the frogs and dogs archetype from March of the Machine. Uh, the the one two that could flip into the four three and then the convoke the three two frog. Halo Hopper. Halo Hopper, baby. I thought that card deserved some love. Frogs and dogs. <laughs> we we also have to shout out Green White Legends from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Like Great Hall of the Citadel Life. Like this is a very cool, very unique archetype. Green White was not food. It was legends all along. The blue-red tempting, ring-tempting archetype from Lord of the Rings I thought was also just an incredibly fun archetype to pilot. And even in the mirrors, I think that's one of the things that kept Lord of the Rings feeling fresh and alive, at least. You know, we talk about gameplay. I, I really loved piloting the blue-red ring-tempting mirrors um, up in High Mythic and Lord of the Rings as well. And then would be remiss, I think you you already kind of mentioned this while you were making fun of me, if we did not shout out the Blue Artifacts deck from Phyrexia All-B1. That, that. that deck was a very unique deck, and I think we were on it way earlier than everyone else. And maybe the, and only, then, maybe the only people that liked it <laughs> also, in addition to being on it earlier than everyone else. You, me, and Greg Hatch, I think, are the people who are like blue-white artifacts. That's the way to go. <laughs> Yeah, well, your shout about green-white legends from LTR leads me to my worst, which is green-white food from LTR is my worst, with an honorable mention of blue-green mana value five from Wilds of Eldraine, just like two things that did not happen. Like green-white food was a trap, full stop. Um, if you were trying to do food matters, you were just going to get got by everyone doing ring tempting. Um, and so then you got the power of that by harnessing Frodo and his legendary friends in the true green-white deck. The true green-white deck. My my worst, I have five archetypes here, all, all tied. Blue-green blue green scry from Lord of the Rings. 
Okay. Blue-green proliferate from Phyrexia. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Blue-green transform permanence from March of the Machine. Blue-green mana value five or greater from Eldraine. Blue-green explore from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. No longer are we shouting out blue-green. Pour one out for blue-green. Pour one out for blue-green. <laughs> like, what happened this year? Wow. Pour one That's out. Rough. That's rough. Like, they were all, when I went through 17 lands, because I was pretty sure I was going to do this, they were all the bottom or second to last in every format. And also just that graph that was on Twitter, like, that just showed, uh, like, man, pour one out for Blue Green. Just did not get there. That's a tough look. That's a tough look. Tough for, look. Bad year green. to be Blue Green in 2023. Yeah. Not a fine vintage. All right, we've we've come to the end here. Though I think it's pretty clear based on what we've chatted about where we're we're going to land here for best and worst draft format of the year. Well, I mean, my my best clearly LTR spoiled it 2 minutes in, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and my worst, I think also clearly Lost Caverns of Ixalan. I've been pretty outspoken about how little I have enjoyed playing Lost Caverns of Ixalan. And some of it, I think a lot of it is just, I, I don't enjoy playing with the cards that are there. That's what I was kind of realizing. Like, as I was doing this outline, I I love so many of the cards from Lord of the Rings. I think they're cool. I think they're unique. I like the play patterns with them. And I just don't like a lot of the cards from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Or the cards that I thought I was going to like didn't pan out to be good. And then also couldn't play with the things I wanted to play with. So, like. Yeah, that, just all of that combined, I think, for me. Yeah, I and I would have thought like, well, maybe it's like reverse recency bias or something. But last year, the last set of the year was my favorite, which was Brothers War. And the year before that, the last set of the year, Vow was my favorite. So like, it's not about that. But I also have LCI as the worst set. I think LCI might actually be the set I have played the least since starting the podcast. I, I just... I maybe drafted this for three weeks. I don't even think I made it a month. I was just like, well, I've got like, I'll focus on Pioneer. Basically, like if if we didn't have to do an episode about LCI for the sh- podcast that I had to prepare for, I just wasn't playing it. Yeah, that's how I felt as well. I, I mean, I won't do another LCI draft until we do our 50 takes episode. Yeah, um, you're going to be playing on, on Magic Excel, right? <laughs> I, I am going to be playing on Magic Excel and loving it. But yeah, and I think also should shout out Wilds of Eldraine, I think, as a great draft format. I think we were too hard on Wilds of Eldraine uh, when it was happening. I do think it is a very much above average draft format. And I, I also agree. think I would just like to defend Phyrexia All Will Be One. I think that that format got a lot of hate and I, I really enjoyed Phyrexia All Will Be One. I thought it, it's which is weird because like you could say a lot of the same things like people would dislike about LCI would say they also dislike about Phyrexia All Will Be One. But I, I just felt like the rules were there in Phyrexia All Will Be One where everybody had to follow the rules. Like in LCI, Blue White just gets to win the early game and it gets to win the late game. Like <laughs> Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Like, but not necessarily in the same deck. Hmm. It's not very hard to have it all in the same deck. Like yeah. to, have a, to have a blue white deck that's great early game and also is going to flip, you know, clay fried bricks late in the game and, and give that's your team true. plus one plus one and make two two twos <laughs> and then flip whatever the four four machine. It's got a lot of inevitability as well while while getting out some fast starts. So yeah, I love Frexy all we want. And I thought March the Machine too, like just a very groundbreaking set in terms of power level. New card type, like a lot to be said there. So maybe your take that this is a great year for limited is not 
that far off base. LCI is a pretty big a black eye, I think, for the year of limited, though. I totally agree. And going into LCI, I was like, if LCI is at least better than Woe, which at the time was my least favorite set of the year, but I think I would probably now, I would rank the sets. So I haven't said what my best is, but it is March of the Machine, which I think oh. is actually, I think is actually my goat, still is my goat set. Wait, just number one? Yeah. I said this at the Whoa. end of when March was here. Look, the reprint. The reprint of the Companions plus the Gumption deck, like, it's just hard for me to not have that set be the reigning champ for me. Those are two of my favorite things to do in Limited for sure. But I would, so I would rank the sets March 1, probably Woe 2, LTR 3. Oh, I didn't love Lord of the Rings, buddy. I'm sorry. I thought it was fine. I, I was not as obsessed with it as you. Oof. And then I have one fourth and then lci fifth pretty pretty steeply in fifth um but i think i would have you go back to other years you'll or this my path was i saw one set a year that i was like that's pretty good and the rest i was like i never need to touch that again (laughs) and i think you might feel the same way i think my if i were to rank them it would be lord of the rings one march of the machine two wilds three and then one four lci five yeah i'm surprised i i felt i thought you felt similarly about lord of the rings to me i did not because i didn't have the like i didn't love the baths like you have your whole bath song journey right which is very important to you. It is very important. We had to our, our, then we had our Great Hall Legends together. Yeah. You had your Lorian Revealed Love Affair. Like you have a lot of, there's a lot of you cards in that set. And I'm by proxy very happy because it's rare that you feel joy discussing magic cards. <laughs> so when that happens, it's, it's really, it makes me quite happy. But, uh, but I didn't, I didn't have the same sort of like affinity for cards and archetypes in that set as you did. Yeah. And like the blue red ring tempting was just fine for you or blue red spells. Yeah. yeah. I just loved I think it was the only decks I didn't like were like the, the data decks like black red or whatever in that format. You can't you have to stop this. What do you mean the data decks? I, listen, I, I, while we're talking about it, I was thinking I was retrospecting about this. Uh-huh. <laughs> my well, my anti data stance, my, my uh-huh. restrictions against data bit my shtick. I think it's great for our podcast. Like, I agree. Nobody no, needs nobody needs data read to them on a podcast, and I think we we pepper in a very appropriate amount of data from you. And I think the rest is entertaining for me. <laughs> I think no, I really do think because so I actually think you in your in your brain and in your heart have swung too far. The pendulum has swung too far towards hating data because I do think you. Ben, the player who wants to be good at magic and like at the, at the best magic player they can be, is leaving some equity on the table. But as your partner in podcasting crime, I think it is excellent for the brand and excellent <laughs> for content. And I also agree, like if you want people to pour over the data slash to actually like make sense of it in a meaningful way, there are people out there who are way more qualified to do that than us. Yeah. So. What we're going to do is keep bringing our own experiences and uh, retrospectives and analyses to bear. And that's going to be me looking at 17 land sometimes and trying to figure it out (laughs) and Ben telling me where I can stuff it, you know, so it's going to be good. (laughs) 
And on that note, I think a great way to wrap up 2023. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast if you're heading over there. And you should be heading over there for any and all purchases. Please use checkout code LOL when you do to let them know we sent you there. And more importantly, to get 5% off of anything you purchase. You can find all of our content on our website, lordsoflimited.com. You know what I'm very excited about for lordsoflimited.com is we're going to get a new, we're going to have a new front page picture Ooh, of our new live from, show. From the live stage? Because that's what, that's what our picture is now on the website is us doing the live pod from Vegas in 2019. We're going to get a new one here live from the main stage of MagicCon Chicago. There'll be more than just pictures of me and Ben on our website as well. There's links to our YouTube, links to our Twitch tier lists, episode backlog, merch from Public, all of that on our website. We also do not shout out the YouTube channel enough, I don't think. We probably need to start doing that at the front of the episode. If you're not tuning into YouTube, youtube.com slash at Lords of Limited, there's video versions of the podcast every week that Ethan is painstakingly editing, and you should be checking it out over there if you like YouTube content as well, as well as like usually a draft video a week or so. You know, we've been doing some high stakes draft vids. You you chop those up, you put them on YouTube. So if YouTube content is your jam, you should be following youtube.com slash at Lords of Limited. Thank you. Sh- shill for our content, please. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We're really looking forward to a hype 2024 and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks everybody. See you later. 